If you would please turn in your Bible to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And I've been doing this evening uh, sermon series now for close to a year and a half. And I've on now on verse 16. So I've done uh, 16 verses in a year and a half. And Lord willing, the next time I preach, I will actually accelerate it and, and finish up. I think I'll do five verses at one time uh, next week or next time I preach. But that won't be until... Uh, mid-July, the next time that I'm scheduled to preach, I think it's July 17th when we get back from vacation. Um, but today we're going to be looking at verse 16. So our scripture reading is Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Let's pray. Father, your word is so convicting to us. As we hear your word read in, in, in large chunks like Leviticus in the gospel reading, a familiar reading that we often hear at Christmas time, which when we hear it in June, it, it, we hear it afresh. Uh, but your word speaks to us. And this one verse that we're looking at at Romans, uh, Lord, again, it is convicting to us because we fall short so often of what this commands us to do, what it is like for us to live as a Christian. But Father, we are, not, we are not despairing of our failure to live up to your word. We trust in your mercy, and we plead your mercy, and we know that we can come to you. Even if we fail over and over, we can continue to come to you. Fall on your grace, knowing that you will not put us out. So Father, would you pray as we look at this? Lord, I pray that you will anoint my words, that they will be your words, that I will speak your wisdom. And I pray for each of us here, each of us watching on the live stream or listening afterwards on Sermon Audio. Father, I pray that these words will be a blessing. Uh, they will help us to see you better, to know ourselves better, and to know how we can live up to what you have called us to do. Father, we pray that you'll be pleased and you will be glorified by the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if I had to guess what was the single biggest cause of strife in the church, the biggest cause of disunity in, in our Christian relationships, the biggest cause of misery in the Christian life. If I had to guess what was the single biggest reason, really that we lack joy and tranquility, that is promised to us in Scripture, I would say it's because of our pride, because of our pride. See, pride steals our peace. Pride robs us of our joy. It destroys the, the bonds of love that should epitomize brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't think it's an overstatement to describe pride as a cancer. A cancer that if it is not mercilessly put to death, will rot our very soul. We'll destroy our Christian witness. And pride is so powerful. Pride is so destructive because it's so common. It infects every single one of us. It infects us to the core of our being. But not only does it infect every single one of us, it does it stealthily. We are blind to its presence. Its presence in ourselves, that is. We are acutely aware of even the faintest traces of it in those around us, especially those closest to us. And this is why scripture speaks so strongly against pride and why it offers so many warnings. Well, today's verse gives us four commands. Four commands which I think give us a four-pronged attack on this deadly vice of pride. It attacks the problem from four different angles. And it does it by giving us two positive commands and two negative commands. 
And the order of these are positive, negative, positive, negative. So we're going to start with the negative command first. So the negative commands. These are the things that it tells us not to do. And then we'll move on to the to the positives. So the first negative command we see in this verse is do not be haughty. Do not be haughty. Now, haughtiness is, is, is different than pride. It's not just pride. It's, it's pride, but it, it is more to it. It's, it's not simply arrogance. It's not just thinking too highly of yourself. There's not just an overly positive view of, of ourselves and haughtiness, but there's also an overly negative view of others. It, it, it usually comes with an intense disdain for others. It involves looking down on others, looking down on others with contempt, with hostility, with hatred. See, there's a more friendly form of pride where, and, and we all know people like this, where people are, are, are full of themselves, but they're generally pretty pleasant to others. These people may eventually get tiresome, and they do, but these people don't display the same dismissive loathing toward others that's characteristic of the haughty. I remember when I was in, in college on the crew team, and Lynn will know who I'm talking about, I had a teammate on, on the crew team with me, and he was a very good rower, and he was... He knew he was a good rower. He was very eager to make sure everyone else knew it. But he was, although he was so cocky and so full of himself, he was also encouraging of others. He was supportive of others. He built himself up, but he didn't tear others down. And I actually personally liked the guy and got along well with him, even though he had a, a big head. This, this is arrogant. This is prideful. But this is not haughty. See, the haughtier are full of disdain for any that they see as inferior to themselves, which is usually every single person around them. And they look at anyone, anyone who can't provide an immediate benefit to them, they look at them as if they are nothing. They look at them with contempt. They give you that look like you're, you're something stuck on the bottom of their shoe that they, they're too bothered to have to scrape off. This is haughty. And we all know people like this. We've all experienced this. We've all been treated by people like this. And it makes us feel horrible. We just hate to be around them. They suck the energy out of you when you're around people like this. And the command here is given for us not to be haughty, not to look down on others with scorn, not to look down on anyone, anyone with derision or disdain. Because when we do this, when we show disdain on someone else, someone who is created in God's image, you know what we're doing? We're showing disdain on God himself, on God himself. And the real evil of haughtiness is its offense against God. And truthfully, as, as we just said in our in Psalm 51, in our confession, it's all sin is a psalm against God. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. And we don't see this because we really don't understand the ultimate source of human value, the ultimate source of human dignity, both our own and the value of others. See, if we think our value originates in us, is a function of our skill or our status or our usefulness or anything that's inherent in us, we will be prone to pride. We will be prone to haughtiness toward those we deem inferior based on our own arbitrary metric, whatever that metric is. Conversely, we will be discouraged. We will even feel despair when we, feel, when we fail to live up to the very same metrics. But the truth is, the truth is that our worth, the truth is that our value does not originate with us. The value of every single human being is grounded in the triune God himself. And this value is infinite for every single human being. Not because of anything in them, but because they are stamped with the image of the infinite God. 
So showing contempt or haughtiness toward any other human being is showing contempt and haughtiness toward God himself. This is a this is a exceedingly wicked sin. This is showing hatred for God. So showing contempt for a brother, for a fellow Christian, this is even doubly heinous. I mean, anyone, if we show contempt, that is mocking, that is marring, that is showing hate toward the image of God. But a brother, a Christian, a person who is bought with the precious blood of our Savior, not only are we we not only is this believer have the image of God which is of infinite value, they have been purchased, they have been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which again in itself has infinite value. So haughtiness toward another Christian is doubly heinous. So this is our first negative command that we see here. The second negative command in this verse is not to be wise in our own sight or not to be conceited. And this is a very similar command that we saw earlier on in in our study of uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, which says not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, the problem with thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, or being wise in our own eyes, or being conceited, is that what we do is we we spend far too much time thinking about ourselves rather than thinking about God. So humility is taking ourselves out of the picture, both the good and the bad that we do, and focusing on God, removing ourselves and focusing on God. See, God must be the center of all our thinking. We must be on the periphery. But the problem is we want to be the center. We're always in the center. We always are the center of of our world. And humility is taking ourselves out and focusing where it should be on God. When God is the center of our thinking, We can then acknowledge both our strengths and our weaknesses. We're not defined by either of them. We are defined by a relationship with Christ, which is of infinite value. No matter how good you are at something, or no matter how bad you are at something, that means nothing compared to Christ, compared to being in Christ. And you see what this is? This frees us from pride. And it also frees us from despair. See, both of them go together. When you're built, when when your worth is on yourself, you're going to be proud half the time, and then you're going to be despairing half the time because you're focusing on yourself. But if you're focusing on Christ, you are free from both of these vices. And then when we're focused on Christ, we can take joy in the way God has blessed us. And we can soberly address the areas, and we all have them, areas that need improvement. In fact, we can be the first to admit. We can highlight our weaknesses because they're not our identity. Our identity is not built on our security. It doesn't lie in that. Our security is in Christ. Again, it gives us freedom to actually grow in sanctification. And the center of our thinking is God, his glory, our growth and sanctification, making him known to others, proclaiming the gospel, help others grow in grace. And being wise in our own eyes, when we do this, we severely limit our perspective. It takes our eyes off the source of our power, the source of our grace, which is the Lord himself. And here's the real irony of pride. See, when we focus on our greatness, on our worth, on our value, we actually become less great, less valuable in absolute terms. And the reason for this is because our greatness comes from God. It comes from his grace, which we neglect when we're focusing on ourselves. However, if we're humble and we have an accurate assessment of our shortcomings, and there are many, 
and we are secure enough in our identity in Christ to address these shortcomings, then we can go to him in prayer and he will give us grace. He will give us grace to overcome all these shortcomings and we can actually grow and we can actually become more like Christ, grow in our sanctification, actually be more great in an absolute sense. And by faith we understand that our security and our joy lie not in ourselves, but in Christ. Christ is our security. He is our joy. And by faith we understand that our worth is not in our knowledge, it's not in our ability, it's not in our skills, it's not in our possessions. Our worth is in Christ. And we may understand this intellectually. I know each one of us here, we understand it intellectually. But we need to know, we need to know it practically. We need to feel it. We need to understand it in the core of our being. Because when we do that, when we do that, we will break free from this idol of self that every one of us has. This obsession with being wise in our own eyes. And if we truly understand that our worth comes from Christ, that the perfect, eternal, the most holy, the most lovely, the all-powerful, all-wise God of the universe loved us so much that the Father gave his only begotten Son to die for me, that Christ took upon himself the pain, the misery, and punishment for my sins. The sin that he took upon himself, the hell that I deserve. When we understand this reality, I will have no desire whatsoever to project my own puny confidence, my own puny abilities to the world. I don't care. I don't want people to look to me. I want them to look to him. I want people to cling to him. I want people to worship him. That's my highest joy. And by faith, By faith, I understand that anything good that I can do comes only from God. See, we're we're the conduit. We're the conduit that God blesses. God's grace flows through us and flows to others. We do truly bless others, but it's God's grace flowing through us. It's not us. We're the clay pots, as Paul talks about, the privy pots. But we can take joy, nevertheless. We can take joy that he uses us. In fact, this is the very reason. This is the reason why he made us, to to give us the joy of participating with him in his work. And every single one of us, every single one of us here, every single one of us that God has created has been given the task, a task that only we can do to bring him glory. He has uniquely fabricated us and put us together to do something that he has given to us that only we can do. And when we do this, we experience the highest level of joy imaginable. So these are the two negative commands we see here. Let's now turn and look at the two positive commands given in this verse. The first positive command is live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Live in peace with one another. Avoid strife. Avoid drama. Get along with each other. So why do we so often fail in this command? Again, it's because of our pride. It's because of our haughtiness. It's because we are wise in our own eyes and we fail to appreciate, or even more likely, we fail to even notice that there may be wisdom in anyone beyond myself. We think, I know everything. Why should I want to listen to anyone? I have all the wisdom. And it all comes down to how we think, both about ourselves, but even more importantly, how we think about others. See, it's not about how we treat others. not only about how we treat others. It actually starts with how we think about them. We can never force ourselves by, by sheer willpower to obey this command. to to live in harmony with other people. We will never be able to live in harmony with one another until we change the way we think, the way we think about one another. And how do we do this? How do we change the way we think about others, especially those that we naturally don't like, 
those who naturally annoy us. And we all have them, right? We know people who naturally annoy us. Those who, who may even have very different values than we do, have a different worldview than we do. How do we live with people, people who are fundamentally different than us? And they may be Christians or non-Christians. How do we do this? Well, this requires this same shift in thinking as is required to overcome haughtiness. See, again, we need to take our eyes off this other person and place them on God. We need to see how God is working in them, in these other people. And everything good, everything good in every single person in the world comes from God. And because of his common grace, there is good in every single person. All people, even the most vile, most evil person, there is something admirable in them. And that one thing that's admirable is from God. And this is the thing that is so chilling about hell. In hell, that's God. In hell, there is no good whatsoever because it's cut off from God. But here, even the most vile has something in them that's good and that something points to God. That something shows God. And what we need to do is we need to look for this God quality in another person. And again, every single person, not just believers, but every single human being has some God quality in them. And the reason? Because they're made in God's image. They have God's image. So what we need to do is we need to look at this God quality. It allows us then to truly appreciate something in another person. Because what we're doing is we're appreciating God. We're appreciating God because we're seeing God in that other person. And doing this, doing this will change our thinking about the other person. It will allow us to actually sincerely appreciate the other person. Sincerely appreciate the way God is working in that other person. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to agree with them. Of course not. We're not going to agree with everything or appreciate everything because there's still a lot that is not a God quality. Not only in them, but in us as well. There's still a lot that's rather sinful. So we won't appreciate everything, but we can appreciate something. And on that is what we're to focus. And here's, here's gets really gets really practical. How do we do this? Well, what I, what I recommend we do is we apply Philippians 4.8 to another person. So whatever person that we, no matter, a person that, that is the most annoying to us, the person we, we see no redeeming values in, we apply Philippians 4.8. You know what Philippians 4.8 says? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we think about these things in these other people, these people we find so annoying. And when we focus on these things in other people, we will find that we will naturally and sincerely appreciate these things in these people. And we will naturally be able to live in harmony with other people. And we will naturally be able to obey this command. And this focus will also allow us to naturally obey this last positive command given to us in this verse. And it says, it says, do not be haughty, and the last positive command is, but associate with the lowly. Associate with the lowly. This is so contrary to our natural disposition. It is. I mean, a great way, it tells a lot about a person, how you, how you treat someone who can do absolutely nothing for you, the most weak, the, the least powerful. We were talking about in our prayer meeting about how our society treats the, the old, how we try to discard, discard them, or the poor, or the unborn. It tells a lot how we treat these people. So why is this so contrary? Why is this so difficult? Why is it difficult for us to associate with the lowly? Well, the truth is because we don't see any benefit in it for ourselves. 
See, if a person is lowly, by definition, they have no power. They have no influence. They are not able to do something for me. And most of our interactions in, in life are transactional. For example, a couple weeks ago when I was writing the sermon, I was, I was sitting at home and a repairman came into our house to, to fix our dishwasher. He was a nice guy. I talked to him a little bit. We chatted a little. But our interaction was, was solely transactional. He was there to fix my dishwasher. And I was paying him for the service. And if this repairman had no idea how to fix a dishwasher, I would not have had him in my house. I would not pay him to fix my dishwasher. Conversely, if I had no money, if I was unable to pay for the repair, he's not going to be in my house. He's not going to be fixing my dishwasher. Our, rea- our relationship here was solely transactional. And with this transactional mindset in place, we would never associate with the lowly. The lowly bring nothing to the table. They can't help me. They can't fix my dishwasher. They don't have money to pay for the services that I would give to them. And it goes beyond simply transactional. There's also a social aspect of our associations. We can get a certain social capital from associations that we keep. And this is why we want to be seen with some people. This is why we take uh, selfies with celebrities. This is why we name drop. This is why we we want people to think that we are more influential and look at the people we hang out with. But we don't get any social capital by associating with the lowly. In fact, we lose it. No one takes a a selfie with a homeless man digging through the garbage. Just think of a politician or a leader when they get caught in some scandal. All their associates abandon them. No one wants to be seen with them. It's rats deserting a ship. Again, like I said, a measure of a society is the way we treat these that are least. How do we treat the elderly around us? We've been praying about this in our prayer meetings, so you know exactly what we've been talking about. How do we treat the unborn? How do we treat the sick, the disabled, the poor, the powerless? That tells a lot about our character. And associating with the lowly is not something that we would naturally do. But the only way we can do it It's just like we saw before. It's not looking at the person, but looking to God. We associate with the lowly not because of anything in them, but because of God. We do it solely as an honor to those who bear his image. Or I should say to the image that they bear. It is to God. Jesus said, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward and here's a real I guess a real sobering um, scripture where Jesus talks about the, the final judgment listen to these words Jesus said he said when the son of man comes in glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? 
And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. See, when we associate with the lowly, we associate with Jesus. And we display the same heart that Jesus displayed. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. He didn't come to call those who were well off, who had everything, those who could do something for him. He came to call sinners. He didn't associate with kings. He didn't associate with the powerful. He associated with the poor, with the needy, with the helpless, with the lowly. My friends, this is our call. This is our call. This is our charge. And may we faithfully imitate our Lord Jesus Christ, display his character to the world. And in doing so, may we bring him glory alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is difficult for us to do. And we pray, Lord, that you will give us the ability to focus on you. Lord, when we are interacting with others, Lord, to see the good in them that comes from you. Father, when we look at ourselves, to realize that our security is in you, not in anything that we can do. And Father, allow us to take joy in what you do through us. Lord, we are, we are privileged to be your implements, to be the conduits of grace, that you pour out your grace to this world. Father, this world needs to know you. There are so many walking in darkness. They do not, they're like the people of Nineveh. They, they, they cannot see in front of them. They're, they're stumbling over their paths because they are so blind. But Father, you have given us your word. You have given us the light. And you have given us the, the privilege of being the conduits of grace. So Father, may we be faithful and trust you and find our confidence and our faith in you and our identity in you and serve you. And that you will be glorified in all we do and say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.